Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Week 8 Recap Edition of the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Matt Harmon in the hosting chair this week. Of course, Liz Loza is off being mad famous doing the rush, the fantasy rush, all of these on-camera shows uh, for the Yahoo Sports brand, while Scott Pianowski and I are left here to schlub around on the audio podcast. Scott, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great um, because I don't have a ton of Todd Gurley investment and I may or may not have had a Green Bay investment. Uh, the day ended on an upswing for me and not not for everybody, perhaps. I, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about that right off the top. Actually, of course, if you're following along with the games, Todd Gurley, I mean, he pulls one of these things that we see every now and again where the guys looks like he's going to be running right into the end zone and just takes that knee, which of course is a smart football play. Mm -hmm. But Scott, it's a, like you said, it's a real kick in the teeth, not only for fantasy football players who of course lose out on the walk in girly touchdown, but you know, sports betting being what it is now taking over more of our national attention. Obviously not only did that take away the potential for the game to go over the projected total, it also kept uh, the L.A. Rams from covering the spread. I mean, can we really be mad about this or, or how should how should we react? Because obviously people are upset on the on the Twitter sphere. Shocking. Yeah. The way I always look at it is if somebody made a move that put his team in the best position to win, you can never feel that bad about it. And because of the girly decision to not score, which you know, girly may have done that on his own. Sean McVay is such a, a thorough coach. He actually has a a strategy timing coach upstairs. I don't, I'm not sure who their quality control coach is, but they may have even made them abreast of that situation that, you know, look, Todd, if you, if you break loose, you know, the first down ends the game. You don't getting in the end zone would only give green Bay a slight chance to come back as minuscule as those chances may be. So because the girly play was something that smart teams do, a smart player does a smart coach does a smart organization does. I mean, I'm sure somebody on the Rams and maybe all three of these prongs, you know, realized it because we've seen so many players generally, they, they want to get in the end zone. They want the glory uh, getting in the end zone is nothing new to Todd Gurley. And even today on a day where it felt like he was bottled up for a decent amount of the day, he still gets a buck 99 total yardage. He had a touchdown. He scored a two point conversion. So, you know, boo hoo. If you own Gurley, you were still what? 27, 28 fantasy points, something like that, depending on your format. So he's still a monster. He would obviously be the number one pick if we redrafted, I imagine most people who own Gurley are just galloping towards, you know, great starts. They're probably seven and one or six and two right now near the top of their standings and points scored. So, you know, Todd Gurley is a luxury item. I mean, congratulations if you won your lottery and you picked first or 
God forbid, you pick second and somebody else like David Johnson or something like Le'Veon Bell or something like that. But uh, Todd Gurley owners are in a pretty good mood right now. I feel bad if it cost you the game, but because it was a strategic football decision, it wouldn't bother me if I had Gurley. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. I'm not feeling too bad for the Todd Gurley owners who are, as you mentioned, you know, moonwalking to a fantasy title on the back of the best player in the game right now. Um, this is this is something we've seen before, though. You know, Brian Westbrook, I think, Westbrook, back. Sure. Yep, he was the one. Also, Maurice Jones-Drew, I think, back in 2009, actually tweeted out an apology, or I don't know if he, he tweeted it out at this point, but he actually apologized to his fantasy owners for doing something similar back in the yeah. 2009 Personally season. apologized to every one of them. He went door-to-door. <laughs> wonderful, that, wonderful that, grassroots program by MJD. That would take uh, quite a long time, but I do wonder, Todd Gurley is pretty... Uh, reactive on on fantasy to or on Twitter to fantasy. So I wonder if we will get something. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, we might have gotten an official statement from Todd Gurley. I say this as somebody who's actually been on the receiving end of some of his some of his tweets. Yeah, he's uh, a great guy. I mean, last year, you know, he embraced the fantasy community. And what happened last year when Gurley obviously had a great season and he was particularly dominant at the end of the season and in the fantasy playoffs and there was a groundswell of people winning their leagues and donating some of their money to a girly charity that he endorsed. Yep. And so everybody wins, you know, girly feels good. Fans feel good. There's more engagement. Um, you know, some people were able to pay it forward. I mean, people can do whatever they want with their winnings, but I think if, if you, ha- if you are in a position to pay it forward, it's always a cool thing to do. So, you know, this is the world we live in now. I mean, last week, um, George Kittle scored a touchdown and said he was doing it for his fantasy owners. I mean, I- I'm fine if NFL players just want to do what's best for their team and for themselves. That doesn't bother me at all. But if they want to give a nod and a wink to fantasy, that's pretty cool too. So uh, Gurley's always seemed to me like a guy who gets it and understands that you know not everybody cheering him on is a big fan of the Rams. So uh, you know that's all good in my book if, if we're all kind of under understanding each other a little bit more. And uh, I don't know, I, I think it's a cool world to live in when those yeah. things are apparent. Yeah, I love it. I enjoy the interaction with the players for sure. And uh, it's very, I mean, we could really dive into a whole long podcast about this, but I think Brett will slap me across the head if I try to really take us down this road. But I do want to get into, Scott, tomorrow's headlines today. Mm. Obviously, the girly one is is big, uh, but I want to jump to your first headline of the day uh, from one of the late games here. Yeah, you know, even though Indianapolis uh, talk about slapping around, they they did a lot of slapping of the Oakland Raiders defense and route to a 42-28 victory. But I saw a lot of positives from Derek Carr. Remember, this was his first game off a bye, first game without Amari Cooper. And I'm wondering if you know, it's hard to it's hard to know what one game means, but I'm wondering if this Oakland offense might be better off without Amari Cooper. Uh, Carr was 21 for 28, 8.7 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a rating over 136. And other than Jalen Richard, who caught eight dump-off passes, none of them going for longer than 13 yards, the rest of this box score, the rest of this passing tree was very diversified. Uh, Jared Cook had a big game. It, it wasn't a particularly uh, effective game for Nelson or Bryant. I, I think Bryant had a catch in this game. But maybe the point is this, and I, I'm curious where you, where you fall on this map. Okay, It's one thing if Amari Cooper were Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham or somebody like that, but he's proven not to be. He's just a, you know, a guy who was picked in the first round. He's had some good seasons, some down seasons. Maybe it frees up the Oakland offense to not have to be beholden to Cooper. Oh, how's he going to get his looks? What are we going to do with him? Maybe they just throw to the guy who's open, the guy who has the good matchup, and there isn't a sacred cow in this offense. I don't think it's coincidence. And by the way, Derek Carr also ran for a touchdown. I think that's the first rushing touchdown of his career. So far and away, his best fantasy game without Amari Cooper. 
I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, it, it might not be. You're you're right. Uh, I can't remember who I heard talking about it. You know, just so much information to the brain that maybe this is a situation where Derek Carr isn't so sad to see Amari Cooper go. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's worth noting that all of the miscues and contested situations, all of the drops maybe just started to take their toll. And, you know, the funny thing is we really don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Like maybe these two guys just didn't really click for whatever sure. reason, you know, personality wise. I mean, that certainly happens. Derek Carr at times is, you know, he's gotten, there's, there's a situation, there's a like story every year that teammates aren't getting along with Derek Carr or whatever, but this was a good, this was a good game for him. So I think you might be onto something there. He completed 75% of his passes. Uh, he, he's still, he still wasn't necessarily pushing the ball down the field, only 6.3 air yards in his pass attempts. That was second lowest of the day ahead of only Cam Newton, which is wild to say. Um, yeah. So I, I do think it's worth noting uh, that this, this big game did come. Of course, it didn't really trickle down to, you know, everybody else out there. Like people were really chasing Martavis Bryant. I don't know about you, Scott. I was, I was not on that particular play. It's just it been, been burned so many times yeah it's just yeah you're right it's been so uh long but i did mention cam newton there before we get to that scott also one we got to talk about marlon mack from this game who had 200 yard efforts uh in a row back to back that's that's great to see from a colt's back yeah a lot of positive signs here he he gets a buck 32 in the ground Hines ran for 78 yards jack doyle who seemed like was out forever he, he gets back with six for 70 and a touchdown and i thought this colt's offensive line was terrific Early in the season and, and back into August, I thought it was going to be one of the lesser offensive lines. And I see so many positive things from Locke. I see so many positive things from Frank Reich, who just getting out of Chuck Pagano was a good move for the Colts. But I think Reich, remember, he was their second choice because they wanted to hire Josh McDaniels. I mean, who's to say how McDaniels would have done this offense? But if I'm a Colts guy, I think they made a home run hire in Reich. It's so encouraging to see Locke healthy again, see Doyle healthy again. And Marlon Mack looks like somebody who can play, you know, 90% of the snaps. He only had a couple of catches today, but he can catch it. Uh, he's been dominant the two weeks back. And, you know, I wish I were more proactive. A lot of times I'm, I'm really careful with guys when they're hurt and I don't want to extrapolate their returns being instantaneously fantasy relevant. But Mac has been an exception to that rule. And I really think the people in front of him are opening up some huge holes. It's hard to tell because Oakland's defense is so bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to chew this up. But hey, part of it is when you get a good advantage, when you get an advantage matchup to take advantage of it. And, and Mac certainly did that today. I mean, I think we're done answering start sick questions on Marlon Mack. Yes. I think he's graduated to the point that he's like a top 10 guy, set it and forget it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the Colts go into their bye week this next week, and then they come into a nice stretch with the Jags, the Titans, and the Dolphins. I don't think we're necessarily fearing any of those teams from a run defense perspective. So I agree with you. We are starting Marlon Mack uh, from here on out. One guy that I think some people might have had questions about whether they were going to play him or not this week was Cam Newton. Uh, mm-hmm. Ravens coming into Carolina. Ravens were actually a two-point favorite That's in surprising. Carolina. I didn't understand that. I talked about this on my in my... Uh, Friday morning column that I didn't that was one of the, the more confusing lines to me because Carolina has been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team you know they won two of their la- their three games coming into this one on really last second miraculous drives and sandwiched in between there was a embarrassing loss to Washington uh, where they fell behind early 14 to nothing but listen you don't find many Panthers games. Let me tell you this. You don't find many Panthers games where you're like not sweating it throughout, man, especially this season. And this this game they controlled throughout. Cam Newton was fantastic in this one. Two touchdowns through the air. One touchdown on the ground. 
Christian McCaffrey got his first rushing touchdown of the year. And DJ Moore, 15% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. He went for 90 through the air, another 39 yards on the ground, played 70% of the snaps with Torrey Smith out. I thought this was a really encouraging performance from the Panthers offense, and especially DJ Moore, who I compared to Golden Tate coming into the NFL as a player, and that that yards after catch ability has really translated right away. Yeah, you know, I love when you see a receiver and they're looking for creative ways to game the ball. You love the 28 and the 11-yard uh, plays on the ground. You know, They're looking to get in the ball in jet sweeps. They're looking to use him as more of an offensive player than strictly a receiver. And then you mix in a little Greg Olson, who, you know, looked good today, got touchdown, four catches. Uh, they had the lucky touchdown catch from McCaffrey. He also ran one in. You're starting to see that you know, even Curtis Samuel, he may not be a fantasy piece, but I think he helped. it helps to have him on the field for Cam Newton and just more guys to work with. Uh, the Panthers certainly looked like the better team today up against the Baltimore defense that may have been. I, I think people thought maybe the Ravens were the worst fantasy matchup you could have. Of course, Carolina draws them at home, but – in this season where we're all kind of wondering, does defense matter? And I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past, but uh, Carolina said, your defense doesn't matter, Baltimore, go <laughs> home. We're going to do whatever we want. And DJ Moore, a huge part of that. You know, sometimes, again, uh, probably a flaw in my game is I don't expect a lot from young receivers, rookie receivers, but DJ Moore looked like a second, third-year player to me today. Yeah, he was great. Great to see him out there. I think he's just somebody I think we're going to be saying throughout the whole season that he needs to get the ball more. I don't know that he's necessarily a consistent fantasy factor because – Veteran deference is a drug there in the Carolina coaching staff. But do you think he's more of a trap? Do you think he's more of a trap as a pickup? No, I think he's worth rostering. Uh, I've picked him up in several spots uh, just on the hope that over the second half of the season, they continue to get him more involved. And look, I, I think this is a good offense. I think North Turner has done a good job constructing, designing the offense around Cam Newton. And as I mentioned, he, he's completed 72% of his passes today. Lowest air yards per attempt of any quarterback this week. They're not just having him sling it, you know, deep out routes with these low probability passes. So I like the way this Carolina offense is coming together. And if I can get a little piece of that in DJ Moore on the cheap, I like that idea. But another player that came cheap in drafts this year, Scott, was Adrian Peterson who, by the way, really just looked like he was tearing. I'm going to let you speak on Peterson. I don't know where you stood on him coming into the year, but I do want to note that Steve Weissman of the NFL Network tweeted out, Adrian Peterson became the oldest player, 33 years old, in the Super Bowl era to have 100-plus rushing yards, one-plus rushing touchdown, and one-plus receiving touchdown in a single game today. The first player, the oldest player to ever do that. I mean, he's really like fantasy's Wolverine at this point, right? right. Well, you know, Washington is surprised 5-2. and two. And they have one fantasy player on offense that's that we can use. It's not Alex Smith. It's sadly not Jordan Reed. I mean, even a day when he catches seven passes, they only go for 38 yards. Who thought that Jordan Reed would stay off the injury report all season and basically do nothing? That's like the most the receiver- unbelievable thing, right? Like he's he's not even hurt and he's still useless. <laughs> it's totally flipped. It used to be, oh, he's great when he plays and he's hurt too much. Now he's healthy all the time and he does nothing impactful. Part of that is on Smith. Uh, you know, they win despite 5.6 yards per attempt from Smith. And I'm I'm sure the air yards weren't too kind to Smith either. But Peterson, before the season when they brought him in, I remember they drafted Geist. They thought he was going to be their guy and he got hurt. You know, it's a terrible injury. Um, they brought in Peterson. And I thought, okay, well, just because the volume is probably safe, there's just not a lot in this backfield. I thought he made sense as a depth player, your third or fourth running back. I certainly wasn't telling anybody to to win a wrestling match over Adrian Peterson. You just I have him on a couple of teams just shrugging because nobody else wanted him. I can't say I did it proactively. 
And look, we've seen this before with Peterson. He, he, the whole rule was, okay, some guy blows out an ACL, you write him off for a couple of years. Peterson came back from an ACL injury and won MVP award in 2012. Whether or not he deserved it is debatable, but still he was a monster off a major injury. Now this year he's 33. It's not like he just turned 33. He turned 33 in March. I mean, yeah. he's, been, he's like 33 and a half, as the kids might say. And he looked like vintage Adrian Peterson today. He ran inside, bounced off guys, made extra yardage. He ran on the edge. He caught a touchdown pass. He He's actually being used a little bit as a receiver in this offense. Generally, he's just not a good pass catcher. I, I know it was kind of a check down. It was like a third or fourth option where he threw the ball, but he caught it, made a guy miss. And then we see the classic vintage Adrian Peterson at the end, the home run to seal the game where he's, you know, he's, he's got a yard or two in the defenders. He turns on the afterburners. You know, they peek up at that screen up, up at the top of the stadium, <laughs> see where they're at. This look, if you had shown this tape and thought, okay, what year was this game? It looked like a 2010, 2012 Adrian Peterson game. Schedule's reasonable. Offensive line is not bad. Defense looks pretty solid, especially on the defensive front. I think Washington, and, and it's so funny how in an era where everybody's playing high-scoring football and it's pinball and it's first team to 30 win so many of these games, the Redskins want to play 1977 football and hitch up their wagon to Adrian Peterson. We talked earlier about you know, is uh, Marlon Mack, you know, no doubt started the rest of the year. Peterson, as long as he's healthy, as long as he's clear of the injury report, he's going to get so much volume every week. It's, it's a league where backs just don't get 20 plus carries that often. Peterson is a set it and forget it RB1 the rest of the season. He's their offense. I mean, it's un- it's unbelievable. Like they go out and acquire Paul Richardson. They go out and acquire Alex Smith and they yap all offseason that he's going to be an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. You know, they have talented but kind of mercurial players in the health department. Josh Doxson, Chris Thompson, Jordan Reed. And and it's Adrian Peterson in the year 2018 that's carrying Washington's offense. It is crazy. It goes to show me, too. Uh, this is something I already believed. And it was the reason not because I thought Peterson would be this good. Like, don't get me wrong. Did, definitely did not mm-hmm. predict this. But I was drafting Adrian Peterson consistently as soon as he visit as soon as news came out that he was going to visit Washington mm-hmm. I started drafting him in like the 15th round because the situation is just so wildly different than what we saw him in Arizona last year and I think sometimes in Arizona you could see he still had the juice but like this offensive line Jay Gruden said that uh, he believes Brandon Sheriff their right guard or left guard whatever like he's one of the best he's the best guard in the NFL He's at least top five in that position. Their whole offensive line is good. I like the way this coaching staff calls plays. It was just such a perfect situation after really playing behind a banged up offensive line and kind of a nightmare situation in Arizona with like Blaine Gabbert and Drew Stanton behind center. So this was something that I I think I was in on simply for the situation, but he's even outkicked those expectations. Uh, You know, expectation wise, a lot of people expected Le'Veon Bell to like be coming back sometime soon. Scott hasn't happened. Uh, he's he's still gone, but James Conner produces. I believe he's the top scoring running back going into the late game stretch. Uh, I mean, what more is there really to say on this situation? Like, we, you, we know Le'Veon Bell is coming back at some point. It's probably going to be week 10 when he absolutely has to show up. And to me, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's a 0% chance he goes back into the same old workload. James Conner's still going to be a factor. I know people are still asking. What do I do with James Conner? Do I trade James Conner? My opinion is just hold on. Just hold on and and keep enjoying the points uh, while you have them. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, I mean, the the holdout with Bell is kind of acrimonious, and there's been some interesting comments from different members of the Pittsburgh family. 
one thing we love about this offense is they have such a narrow usage tree. I mean, when they commit, I mean, you know, Jalen Samuels got some garbage time carries today, but, you know, Connor gets the goal line rushes. Connor gets the three down work and looks like, I mean, if you told me if you just you know, missed a couple of seasons and just come back to the NFL and somebody said, oh, James Conner, he was a top 10 pick, you'd believe it. He looks like that. He fits this offense so well. And, and Pittsburgh, after a slow start, they're really, it's funny, you know, even today, you know, the slow start. I mean, Cleveland dominated this game for about 17 or 18 minutes. I always wonder if the Steelers know when games start sometimes because they show up late so often, it seems like. But they really got cooking the last three quarters. I know we've seen this before where D'Angelo Williams had a wonderful season. I think he was running back for one of the years Bell got hurt. People wondered, well, is this going to be maybe 60-40 or 70-30 when they get back? No, you know, Bell shoved Williams out of the way. But Williams was at the tail end of his career. He was into his 30s. You kind of a vintage season similar to what Peterson's doing now. Connor's a much younger player. You know, he's beaten some physical challenges to make it in the NFL. I think they're invested in Connor both for the rest of the season and into next year. They know Bell is going to leave one way or the other, whether it's this year if they somehow miraculously trade him or at the end of the season. Bell's not coming back. I think they feel uh, you know bond with Connor. I think they feel an obligation to him. I think he, they know he's his future. I would be flabbergasted if Bell came back and made Connor fantasy irrelevant. I think Connor's going to have a role in this offense all year, and it may be just as the lead back. Maybe Bell just doesn't come back, or maybe Bell comes back and they make him the satellite guy. Yep, I, I could t- I could totally see Connor out touching Le'Veon Bell on a week to week basis. Like that is not even in like the short list of the range of outcomes. That's a pretty likely thing to happen because, as you mentioned, he's their future. He's a local guy, comes from Pitt. Uh, and then it's obviously has a great story behind him too. And he's somebody, like you said, they're invested in him. They weren't invested in D'Angelo Williams. So if you have James Conner, healthy running backs and good offenses that are putting up points is a rarity. Stop complaining. Stop worrying about what to do next and just enjoy the points as you have them. Uh, we're going to jump ahead now to our at me segment. Don't at me, bro. Where we ask you guys to actually at us, not like the down drop says, but please yeah, at us on Twitter. And you do. And we asked you this week, uh, those of you faithful at Yahoo Fantasy followers, we asked you, who are players that you're not benching anymore after their performance today? And I want to take this uh, run off the rundown here real quick uh, and take this into almost a more, you know, wide view ranging discussion here real quick, Scott. I thought reading these responses, it just reminded me how reactionary fantasy players are. Like there are some people that made decisions to bench people that were in these replies that I thought were super reactionary. There were players like when, you know, guys are just like, oh, I'm playing this guy every single week because he scored a touchdown in the replies. It just reminded me how reactionary fantasy owners are like people that aren't like you and me and do this for a living and also just obsess over it in general i, I thought that was fascinating just to, to get that reminder and you know get out of our fantasy fantasy twitter bubble every now and again well it's hard because there's a visceral relationship with fantasy football that doesn't always exist with fantasy baseball or, or fantasy basketball you, football is generally speaking once a week and if you're really into this, you watch as many games as you can or you have Red Zone or you, you have games on your device. You actually see the things when they happen. You see when your players score or you see when they go off the field. You see when Julio Jones you know, limps off or doesn't score a touchdown. You see when your player catches a touchdown and it's overturned or you know, whatever it is. You live through these things snap to snap. And so it just 
just the nature of it, it makes more of an impact on your psyche. And it's harder to take the long view sometimes because you've actually lived it. It's not just like in fantasy baseball. You you may go to bed and wake up and say, oh, my closer blew a slave or, you know, my, my hitter, you know, hit a home run or stole a base, whatever. And you live with it. You move on. You know, the season's so much longer. There's so many more data points. Football, 13 weeks generally until you get to the playoffs and you're sitting there in front of your device, in front of your TV, on your phone, on your iPad, whatever it is, and living through it as it happens. I think it just makes it harder for us to maybe keep the level, even keel decision-making your mindsets that we need to have to be at our best effectiveness. Yeah, I hadn't, I had thought of it from the small sample size thing. And, and sometimes that can actually be to your benefit to be reactionary because, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have like four weeks to sit around and be like, oh, no, yeah, I, I buy into this now. Like maybe you have Philip Lindsay because you were reactionary after a week. Yeah, it, it might be too late by the time you finally come around. To, I hadn't really thought of it from the like visceral reaction watching things happen and and it's probably even worse when you bench a guy and then you're watching him on red zone rip a bunch of big runs score touchdowns and one player who i think is probably falls in that category for a lot of people the first one on our list here comes from at old man shirt which hell of a twitter name uh chris carson if he's healthy, he eats. Uh, Chris Carson, I actually liked Chris Carson as a play this week because that Detroit Lions defense had allowed a league high over six yards per carry to running backs. He gets 25 carries, 105 yards, a touchdown. I think a lot of this was game script because Seattle really rushed out to a big lead mm-hmm. on the Lions. Uh, what about you? Are you trusting Chris Carson on a week-to-week basis now? How do you feel about him? Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that he had 25 carries compared to just 10 for Davis. And, you know, Penny hasn't been a factor in this offense. It's interesting. I spent the whole week fading Russell Wilson and telling people not to play Russell Wilson. And he has the three touchdown passes, all of them on contested catches. One of them was a, was a bobble that ended up in his receiver's hands. And, of course, Doug Baldwin doesn't score one. So uh, people who <laughs> oh, yeah. own Baldwin have to figure out what's going on with that. But, well, Carson to me, I mean, I think everybody kind of th- – thought Carson passed the the smell test and the eye test last year. And then he just happened to break his leg. And so it's a matter of how quickly is he going to return? Then Seattle shockingly takes a running back in the first round. But, you know, they, for a while it was hard. You Carson had a couple of games early that were good, but I mean, it wasn't always a pattern. It wasn't always the linear SAT question type of pattern, but I think we've seen enough of Carson. He's earned enough credibility on this offense and we know Brian Schottenheimer wants to run the ball. We know they, they have – Seattle has one of the highest ratios of run to pass in the league. I think it was first yep. before today. Now, the game script, obviously, you, you can play the way they did today because they raced out to that two-touchdown lead. But I think Chris Carson is legit. I think he's not quite a running back one, but I'm thinking a top 15, top 16 back the rest of the way. The only way you'd be benching him is if you had a wealth of riches – at that position. Yeah, I think the fact he was coming off a really hyped up game against the new uh, against the Oakland Raiders in London where people expected him to smash and he disappointed. I think that soured a lot of people, but I do think he's somebody you consider on a weekly basis. Just Russell Wilson real quick by the way. This note comes in from the Next Gen Stats where uh, you know, I used to do a lot of work at the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson was expected to complete just 45.8% of his passes wow. today according to the completion probability model that I helped kind of design there. That inc- takes in a lot of factors separation uh, from the player covering them, distance from the sideline, air yards on the target. A lot of stuff goes into it. Uh, But he actually completed 82.4%. That was over 36.5% above expected completion rate. That's the best that they have recorded for any player. Awesome way of describing it. I mean, those touchdowns were all no, 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 yes throws, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially that Tyler Lockett one, the first one that was like, oh my gosh, yeah. All right, next one comes in. At Wayne McD 75, he says Sammy Watkins, he's probably a must start 
uh, at this point. Do you think Sammy Watkins is a must start, Scott? I think it's conceivable somebody – it depends on what you hit on. It's conceivable somebody could not play him. I mean the point is that – it's funny. Kansas City, they didn't really have their good stuff today. and They still scored 30 points. It just shows yeah. how loaded their offense is. I like getting a piece of that pie, but I think the Watkins piece is always going to be the smallest of the main players there. Just so happy he scored a couple touchdowns today. Look, he's a good player, but he doesn't have Tyree Kill's speed. He doesn't have Travis Kelsey's height. He doesn't have the easy paths to the to the ball and to touches that Kareem Hunt has. So he's still going to be the guy at the bottom of the line. You know, at the end of, at the end of the line, getting his share of the offense. Even if you know, today's going to be the best game I think Watkins has all season. It doesn't mean I don't want to play him. I'd want him to be my receiver three. And again, some people may have really clicked at this position and may not have to play him. So I would say, is he he a must play? I'd say maybe. He's a contextual play for me. I don't think I'm going to, I'm ready to give him the rubber stamp for all formats. Good, good way to put it that it's based on the context of your roster. Cause you know, I mean, this is the example that the ceiling was there. Uh, I actually previewed him for fantasy football live this morning. uh, And what I noted was that he is a 16% share of the air yards and the targets, which is actually pretty solid for the third option in the pass game and the fourth option of the offense overall. So you know that ceiling's there. It's also worth noting that Tyreek Hill pulled up with a groin injury in this game, and if he misses any time uh, going forward Mm -hmm. or is limited, that could really bump up Watkins' stock. Next player on the list, this comes from at Bagsy, and he says, Adam Jones, Packers finally committed to him. I don't think he's talking about Broncos cornerback Adam Jones. I think he's talking about running back Aaron Jones. And I got to say, sure. I'm going to balk at this one right away <laughs> because I don't think this was really a commitment. Uh, we saw Jamal Williams get the first touchdown of the game. Jones ripped up a nice long run towards the end of the game uh, where he really made a nice move on a player in the open field but ran through a giant hole to start, averaged over seven yards per carry. But look, he led the the backfield with just 12 carries. He did get that long touchdown, but I I don't think that Jones is a player that I'm going to be rolling out there every single week. I think you'd have to be quite risk tolerant to do that. What do you say? Totally co-sign everything you said. I mean, look, he still only had 12 carries. The touchdown came on a gaping hole where I think a lot of backs score on this play. Maybe the sneaky thing that helps Jones the most is that Ty Montgomery had some confusion in a couple of blocking assignments, oh, and then yeah. he had a fumble on special teams that hoped. I actually like Ty Montgomery. I always want to see him do well and, and maybe play a little bit more. But after the game he had today, you would think that that's clearly – I mean, he was probably the number three back in this pecking order anyway, but this just kind of solidifies that. So maybe you could see maybe Jones getting some of the – it's interesting. All three of these backs do different things. So it's not like when they need a certain role filled, it seems like they go to the guy who has the skill set for that. I don't know. Jones to me still seems like a trap. Not that he's not talented. Not that he doesn't have a great YPC. But McCarthy's never bought in. They don't seem to view him as a true workhorse. I think a lot of people score his touchdown that he scored today. The bottom line is I still think that the outsiders like Jones more than Mike McCarthy does. And I would – not want to proactively rank him or start him next week. If your backfield stinks, if the bye week's you know murdering you, the six teams off next week, I believe. So you, you may be forced to play Aaron Jones. I get it. He's not going to be a proactive start for me. Totally agree. Not a guy that the coaching staff trusts as much as we do, and that is all that matters. Last one on our at me segment. This one comes in from Brent's forty seven. He says Fitz, Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald. He's had a bench for weeks. Uh, he scored another touchdown today, went eight catches for 102 yards. You know, we were looking for signs from this now Byron Leftwich-led offense, which, uh, holy cow, I still can't believe I'm saying, like, Byron Leftwich is uh, not just an offensive coordinator, but kind of a hot name. 
uh, in the NFL coaching circles right now here in the year 2018. You know, we were looking for signs of change from him taking over the offensive reins from Mike McCoy. Uh, and our first one was Fitzgerald, best game of the season by far. Are you buying or selling Fitzgerald the rest of the way? You know, not, not that I'm Bill Walsh, but this is certainly one of the tapes I'm going to watch early on Monday to try to get a sense of what happened because for most of the game, it looked Arizona looked lost on offense yep. and they looked terrible. And then they put up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter, which certainly count. And they stole the game. I thought Rosa played very well in the fourth quarter. I thought he looked shaky in the first three quarters. Still, at the end of the day, Rosa, 6.3 yards per attempt. Eh. It's okay. He still took too many sacks. He had an interception. At least Fitzgerald, he's back in the wide receiver three mix. He, he's not certainly not a wide receiver one. You probably draft him to be your two. You've long since reconciled that he's not that. Remember, Christian Kirk scored a touchdown this game. They finally seemed a little bit more proactive throwing the ball to David Johnson. I feel, feel like there's a lot of meat on that bone that they could really get going with it. But at least Johnson more involved in this offense the way we want to see him involved. So, Actually, I think this is a great opportunity to get out of the Larry Fitzgerald business. Mm. You know, the highlight people who, who maybe don't watch the games that closely, they're going to see the highlight. They're going to see the eight for 102. And you know, maybe they're going to overrate the left witch factor. They still just scored 18 points against the 49ers team. That's very ordinary. I think Fitzgerald at best is a wide receiver three. I would look if you had good receiver depth where Fitzgerald kind of fits in the middle of it. I might say to somebody, hey, you, you have bye week problems next week. Did you need or the week after? Do you need a receiver and see if they settle on Fitzgerald? I think this is your chance to actually get out of the Fitzgerald business. I, I like it. I like that your take kind of uh, became stronger as you talked yourself into it. Sometimes that's <laughs> right. You, you hear me talking myself into it. Perfect. Sometimes yeah, sometimes that's what happens, though. Sometimes you got to like let things marinate. And at the, when you actually put it into words, you're like, oh, no, that's. That's actually how I feel, not how I feel. So a little bit of conviction there on Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I, I agree, not totally buying in. Remember, this 49ers defense is just awful defending slot receivers and receivers lining up on the left side of the field away from Richard Sherman. But let's go. As we're about to get out of here, Scott, the last thing we're going to do is we're going to give the people some pickup options. Now, remember, buys coming up next week. The Bengals, the Colts, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cardinals, and the Jaguars. At least a few of those teams have some big name every week start type fantasy players. So let's give the people some guys that might be able to help out off the waiver wire. I will start with David Moore. Uh, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, 3% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Remember back in week one when people were taking victory laps because Brandon Marshall scored a touchdown? That was a fun time. Uh, <laughs> David Moore has actually turned what was a really nice preseason coming in and now playing really well in the regular season. Did have kind of a juggling touchdown in this one, but he's getting regular playing time at this point. The Seattle Seahawks offense, while they're not putting a bunch of passes into the air, they are really efficient when they throw the ball. I think David Moore is 100% somebody to pick up, watch out, and you see what happens. Scott, I know you have another young receiver you want to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited about Cortland Sutton, who's doing great things in Denver despite being their number three, and maybe he won't be their number three that much longer. I mean, they're, they've talked about, they've denied at times that they're shopping Demarius Thomas, but they know they're rebuilding. I, I think if Thomas, if somebody made a reasonable offer for Thomas, you know, maybe Houston gets involved, teams need receivers. Maybe they could move on. I think Sutton's play, actually playable as a maybe a more of a reach wide receiver three, even if Thomas isn't traded. It seems like he's making a big play every week and or scoring a touchdown. And certainly I, I think people in Dynasty are already way ahead of this. But in any kind of keeper format, I'd be thrilled to be owning Sutton. You probably got him at a, at a low buy-in. I think right now he's their second best receiver. I think right now he's better than Demarius Thomas. Mm. Available in 90% of Yahoo leagues and 
that number is going to spike if Thomas gets traded. But even if Thomas just slumps or gets hurt, remember they don't throw the tight end all that much, although they had a tight end touchdown today. Cortland Sutton is going to be a star, and I think maybe that starts this year. I love it. That is a spicy take, but I dig it. I'm in. I'm agreeing with you on this Cortland Sutton situation. I want to talk about a running back because you know how everybody yaps about handcuffing running backs in the in August when you draft your teams. No, 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 no. The time to handcuff running backs is now at the end of the season. So some of these guys that you should pick up, you know, are hanging around the bottom of rosters. You should grab them in case of injury. Well, there's already been an injury in the New York Jets backfield. Bilal Powell out for the season. Trenton Cannon is somebody to keep an eye on. He didn't do much today. The Jets offense was pretty predictably terrible in Chicago. Only scored 10 points. But Cannon had three catches for 12 yards. He had 69 yards last week as a receiver. He had another six carries for just 10 yards. Again, not, not a big stat line here, but he is an athletic player good at uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's somebody that's definitely worth noting. If you play in, you know, a deeper league, he's probably worth rostering right now. You know, he's somebody that's only 9% owned. So I think you can go out and get him. He's an athletic guy. You know, we talked last week about, you know, how long do we care about spark scores among running backs that came into the NFL this year, Saquon Barkley, obviously number one in spark score, but Trenton Cannon was number two, just something worth noting. Uh, there, but I know you like another Jets backfield in, in this group here. Worth noting also, Cannon, I believe, outsnapped um, Crowell today. We know he's a, maybe a more um, more upside as a receiver. Crowell's never been that much of a pass catcher. Part of it was Duke Johnson in Cleveland, but you know, so Cannon outcatches Crowell today. He outreceives him, and uh, you know, I, I can see the case for him. I, Elijah McGuire is somebody I'm also I'm interested in this offense. I, I know he's been on injured reserve with a foot injury. He did return to practice. This week, and so I, I think next week he can be uh, activated. But per the IR rules, we'll see what happens. The Jets, obviously, a team that's rebuilding. They have a rookie quarterback. They're not going anywhere this year. McGuire was good last year. He wasn't electric. I mean, three point six yards of carry, albeit that can be a noisy stat. Did show a little bit of pass catching ability. The bottom line is, look, Crowell's an okay player, and he's probably going to be their lead back, or theoretically, he's going to be that. But this is an offense that was using Powell a lot. This is an offense that wants to use two or maybe three backs. And you know both of these guys, Cannon and McGuire, are owned in under ten percent of Yahoo League. So these are speculation plays. These are lottery tickets. I, I hope you don't have to pick up Cannon next week and play him. But you, you put him on your bench. See if he pops. See if one of them becomes the preferred guy on third down. The preferred hurry up back. See how quickly McGuire can come back. This is a good offense to speculate in, and I also think it's going to be an offense on the upswing. I mean, we saw the first week they they blew out Detroit. Some of that was defense. Darnold played pretty well that game. He's been up and down since then, but. I believe in the infrastructure of this team. I love Josh McCown as basically an assistant coach slash mentor on that Jets sideline. I think we'll see a little bit of an uptick in this offense. It would help if they can get some guys healthy. And by the way, I hope you picked up Chris Herndon. I, not to oh, be a yeah. huge game today, but three straight touchdowns from the tight end position. We'll take that anytime we can get it. <laughs> I think the Jets are going to be an improved team in the second half. And I think both of these backs, you were looking for lottery tickets, right? I think there are two, two names worth scratching in week nine. Nice. I love it. And uh, to close out my section here, I'm going to give you a one percenter, literally a guy who's only one percent of leagues. That is Josh Adams of the Philadelphia Eagles in the London game this morning. If you were, uh, you know, smart enough to wake up for it and watch it, I thought there were some interesting notes. And Adams was the one who stood out to me the most, obviously led the team with nine carries for a team high 61 yards, also chipped in with one catch for six yards. This guy is massive, 6'2", 225 pounds, rookie out of Notre Dame. Uh, he's someone 
somebody that made a little bit of noise among the local Philly media there, kind of in the training camp preseason period of the NFL year. Uh, he has carved out a role here. He actually outsnapped Corey Clement today, who fell to third on the team in usage. Look, Josh Adams might be one of these lottery tickets that by the end of the season, we're telling you to start him, you know, the last three weeks of the year or whatever. I think this Eagles offense is still kind of trying to find itself. But for now, Adams is a guy that's worth picking up uh, or at the very least keeping your eye on. Uh, he, he's somebody that is, I got to give credit to my desk neighbor here in the Yahoo Playa Vista office, Zach, the social media operator of the mostly football and rush to, you know, the show Twitter accounts. He's been asking me, should he pick up Josh Adams for like three weeks now? And I'm like, what are you talking about picking up Josh Adams, bro? Like what, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, but, but he's making noise, man. He's making noise. I got to give credit to Zach on that one. Uh, but yeah, so Scott, let's, let's get your last one before we get out of here. I like that Adams take. Remember, the Eagles don't care where you were drafted, what your pedigree is. Yeah, no, They'll they play do the not. best player. They need a thumper with a Jai out, and Adams was certainly their best back Sunday morning. You know, Jack Doyle is somebody I didn't think we'd have in this conversation because I guess I didn't realize what his ownership percentage was. I think in most of my leagues, some of them that have tight end um, incentives, you know, he was a guy who people waited on. But he comes back today, Doyle. Um, I mentioned earlier, a really productive game, six for 70 and a touchdown. This is an offense that is going to spread the ball around. Eric Ebron also scored in this game and some guys that probably people have never heard of. I don't have anything to offer on, on Mo Ali Cox. You'll just do that research yourself. But <laughs> I, didn't even, I did not even know who he was before. No, before I had this. nothing on him. No, yeah. he's not on any of my MFLs. He wasn't drafted in any of my leagues. Not, you know, I was, I'm going to draft where we pick 400 guys and Mo Ali Cox was not drafted. We don't, we don't make up names in that league. I know Doyle's kind of a catch and fall down guy. But Andrew Luck trusts him. He loves those big numbers near the goal line. We've seen Ebron kind of take off, have a breakout season. There's enough to go around in this offense. I'm a big fan of Reich. Sounds like the offensive line is getting better, which means Doyle may not have to block. This is speculation, but maybe he won't block as much as we originally feared. Jack Doyle is going to be a set and forget tight end the rest of the way. He's going to be like a tight end six to eight. He may end up being better than Kyle Rudolph. He may end up being better than Jordan Reed, who I think people probably are, are sick of now and ready to move on from. If you're in one of those leagues where people drop Doyle, this is also with the bye weeks really getting heavy, six teams off next week. And there's a couple of nasty bye weeks going off. Make sure you look at who's dropped. because This is the time of year where people need to win and they can't wait on guys. You see better players dropped at this time of year than any other part of the season. That's why Jack Doyle was 75% owned to begin with. Just make sure you're doing your diligence because you're going to find yourself surprised when somebody valuable gets picked up and you just slap yourself in the head and say, hey, I didn't realize he was available. You get a monitor and audit those ads and drops. And, and one of the guys you can take advantage of is Jack Doyle. Great advice on that. Uh, great note on the fact that the line is better. They might actually not use Zach, uh, Jack, Do uh, Jack Doyle to block as much. That's a good point. Hadn't thought about that. Scott, thanks for hanging out with me, man. This is this has been great. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Liz will be back on Thursday. You won't have to hear me blabber on in the hosting duties anymore. Sharper than ever. She'll be back sharper than ever, too. Yeah, for sure. Well, after she's done signing autographs from doing all these uh, all these on-camera hits, uh, she'll come back and schlub it around with us, I'm sure. Well, I say sharper than ever. Did you see her, what they did with an FFL with the... Uh, with Literally the sharp. Literally sharp. She was a yes, pencil. She was the number two. She was Matt Patricia's pencil. <laughs> like, God God bless Liz Loza, man. Not a lot of people God are, are going to be donning a literal pencil costume for her on-camera segment for Fantasy Football Live this morning. But yes, you will be back Thursday. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Please spread the word 
about the show on social media. Subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, tell fabulous you. lies about us. All yeah, good. Uh, uh, tell tell everybody how much you love Scott's anecdotes and how much you think my hair is definitely pretty, uh, even though this is an audio-only show. Definitely just give me that ego boost anyways. And, of course, we're on Spotify. Where I mean, who doesn't listen to Spotify? Check out Spotify. Check us out on Spotify. You, you can't spell social media harmony without harmony. Boom. That is a great way to go out with it. Yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Of course, always submit your questions at, at Yahoo Fantasy. And for Scott, he's at Scott underscore Pianowski. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.